Greetings, cinephiles. Are you looking for a movie analysis podcast that stands above the rest? Then look no further than Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters. We analyze good movies, we analyze bad movies, and yes, we also analyze the in-betweens of the world of cinema. So if you like what you hear, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And yes, my friends, we are 420 friendly. So when you listen to us, smoke smoke it if you've got got it. it. And now... Here's a new episode of Collateral Gaming. The show starts right now. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Zachary Gio. I'm Dan Rockwood. And this is Collateral Gaming with... Victims and Villains. Ba 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 ba! <laughs> Welcome to Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of gaming. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas and other places too. And yes, my friends, we are a 420 friendly podcast. So whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. Zach, Dan. It is finally time to talk about this fucking game, guys, right? <laughs> yeah, I think we're, uh, we're, oh man, there's so much to talk about. We're about to run out of time tonight before we even crack the surface, which is fantastic because we got it. This is the Zelda game that I believe personally we've always wanted. Um, it is quite simply, I, I, I'm never going to call anything perfect. But it's the best video game I've ever played in my life. And I've been, uh, according to my Nintendo Switch, spending 90 hours or more having the absolute time of my life. And I can't imagine you guys are very far from the opinion. Um, As true avid Zelda fans like we all are, it has been now at the time of recording this two weeks and... Amazing. Like I've just been having the blast of my life and it and it, it and it's been amazing. So yeah, this has consumed my life. I took a whole four day weekend to play this game and did nothing else but play Zelda. Yeah. Oh yeah. I did the exact same thing. Um I feel like if you wanted to hear our thoughts on this game, just go back and listen to like any podcast that has been released previously. We feel like we end up talking about Tears of the Kingdom even before it came out and just speculating oh, yeah. about it. One hundred percent. So, yeah, so, I mean, Breath of the Wild did things so well. It's it's widely regarded as the greatest video game ever made. I definitely agree with that opinion. And then Tears of the Kingdom comes in, and I remember being a little bit nervous. I knew they were going to crush it, but I was just like, what... How? Where do they go from here? What do they do? And the answer is a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, uh, they, they just went through, and I can... Uh, when they were reusing the assets, right, in the map, and I'm like, what did they spend six years doing? And that question has been answered. And I'm not even that far. I know, Zach, you're very far in the game, and Ash, you're far, you're you're not as far, but pretty far. And then there's me. I, I have about 40 hours in, but I've done virtually, like, no story stuff. I've done a little <laughs> bit. I'm just running around, exploring the sky, exploring what's changed in Hyrule, building these idiotic uh different like machines that you can do so it's just been a whole lot of fun and i feel like the three of us have been playing in kind of different ways and uh 
that's the most exciting thing about this game is that you can play it in so many different ways and see so many different things about it. And it's, uh, it's awesome. If either of you are on TikTok, it's like an arms race amongst <laughs> the Tears of the Kingdom uh, community. Scene. Oh my gosh, dude. There's so, so much content. Uh, I've seen crazy. Clorox launched into space. I've seen Clorox <laughs> crucified. Can, can I ask you this? Why do people keep crucifying Clorox? Uh, I don't know. I love strapping <laughs> rockets to them and letting them go, but the whole crucifixion oh thing, God. I don't know. <laughs> my favorite clip that I've seen so far on TikTok has to be somebody decided to put like six or seven Clorox on a stick and like roast it like a spit <laughs> over mm-hmm. the fire. On a stick. And, I've on a stick, that. and it's just it's yep. beautiful. You have, of course, you've got your average dick and balls, giant auto build. <laughs> uh, you've got the the what are they? The exploding balls with the like flame emitter, fucking uh huh, dude. <laughs> So it's, stupid. It's just absurd. I saw a logo today someone drew that was the Korok space program, and it was like a Korok strapped to a, a rocket. And oh. I feel like I need a, a T-shirt of that. Um, I have not been launching in them into space. I've been treating them um, <laughs> nice because I, I like the Koroks. Um, but yeah, it should be said. Uh, this, uh, this is going to be our, our spoiler-free episode. We're going to talk about mechanics. We're going to talk about a, a whole bunch of different stuff, but we're not going to go into spoilers, yeah. um, which I appreciate both for the listeners and also for my sake because uh, you guys are further than I am. So we're going to touch on some, you know, a whole lot of different stuff, but nothing that will, you know, totally spoil the game for you. So important to be set up front. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, and just kind of as we do whenever we make a new game. A, uh, a numbered episode is like, you know, just kind of split it up and do part one spoiler free. It's the same month the game came out. Give people a chance to play and then we'll really dig into the story later. And that'll be good because we'll have all completed the game by then because I'm not planning on having recording this until, you know, we at least all beat the main story, if not 100 percent. I'm going to be trying for that mm-hmm. before we record. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, like you said, Dan, this uh, this part of t- this time. Um, we can really kind of just delve into the mechanics. Um, I don't feel like there's very much spoiler content there as far as gameplay goes, because like Breath of the Wild, you get your main abilities at the start of the game. And I, excuse me, those were uh, announced prior to the game coming out. So, uh, and in a lot of ways, this game does play very similar to Breath of the Wild. And, you know, it's kind of funny because if, if you look in some of the Zelda communities, I mean, you'll see some people, like, getting kind of pissy about the fact that it's like Breath of the Wild. But hold on a second. This, this is the direct sequel to Breath of the Wild. It's Breath of the Wild 2. Like, what did you expect? Yes, it is going to be in that trajectory. And I think all games from here on, you know, for the next... 10 plus years are going to stick to this format like they did with Ocarina of Time. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. All two games in the next 10 plus years. I'm sorry, I should have made that longer. Like the next like (laughs) 20 20 years or so would probably be more I'd say this is, this uh, Breath of the Wild was the Ocarina of Time that the series needed, if that makes Mm -hmm, sense. Because Ocarina of Time didn't just change the course for Zelda games, Ocarina of Time, and we're not talking about Ocarina of Time, but it's a good example. Um, Ocarina of Time kind of set the standard for 3D adventures. Yes. And to be to be honest, to be a fan of such a series that had such an impact like that on gaming as we know it, it's on, it's an honor to be quite frank, and that's the very deep embedded geek in me, but I am so happy that Tears of the Kingdom 
and Breath of the Wild are not just amazing titles, but they're two of the greatest video games ever made. If you factor in, like, abilities and exploration and things that you can do, a lot of people have been harping on the graphics. And I'm like, dude, have you ever played Skyrim? That is my that is my fiance's mm-hmm. favorite game in the world, and it doesn't look amazing. But I mean, it does with mods and stuff like that. But the base game, it's just it's a video game. Yeah. But to her, she loves that game as much as you and I, me, you, Dan, as much as we love Tears of the Kingdom and Zelda because of that exploration and the impact that it has on you. Yeah. And to be able to look at it from honestly multiple perspectives as somebody who's never played the game, somebody who is a deep fan, it's huge. It doesn't matter how you look at it. It is all-encompassing. It is, it's ridiculous. I haven't even really done a it, fourth of the stuff to do, and I'm 90-plus yeah. hours in. And Breath of the Wild had a bigger in-game map, I believe. And Tears of the yep. Kingdom has that map plus two extra layers of map. So, yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. It's, the, the marketing behind this game was really brilliant, too. And I, I remember going against it because I thought they needed a big, like, 30-minute Nintendo Direct about Tears of the Kingdom. We didn't end up getting that. We got a mini Direct, and then there was some teaser trailers that we got. But they did a really good job. There are major components and areas of this game that was never mentioned in any of the marketing. People oh, inf- yeah. inferred it, and they would speculate, but nothing was confirmed. And so that first time... Uh, coming up on you know a, a big area or like a big gap or something, and I'm like, what 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 is this? Where am I going right now? And then it's like, oh man, I didn't really know this was gonna be here. It's okay, just it's yes. so so cool, dude. It's mind blowing. <laughs> the first time you yep. experience some of the more prevalent stuff that was not in the trailers, yeah, those are genuinely awe-inspiring and jaw-dropping moments. And I haven't mm. really had many of those in games in the last, like, honestly, 10 years. Like, Metroid Dread was great, and it was fun, but it yeah. didn't just, like, blow me away. I was just like, that was a really fun Metroid game, and Samus is still a badass. But when you play games like this, you are... There's a hole in your heart when you finish because you know that you'll yeah. never get to experience it for the first time again. Yes. And you'll never get to, which that sounds sad, but it's actually a beautiful thing because we rarely get that nowadays. Yeah. And the fact that Tears of the Kingdom was not only better significantly than Breath of the Wild, it's better significantly than most video games I've ever played. So, yeah, Breath of the Wild, Zelda's obviously my favorite video game series. And of, oh, yeah. of, of Zelda games, my two favorite up to this point were Tied. Breath of the Wild and Majora's Mask. I've brought this up a lot on the podcast. Um, but those were, were my two favorites because Majora's Mask is just, it's one of the most unique Zelda games. And I have got a, we've got whole episodes of us talking about that. And then Breath of the Wild because of how revolutionary it was. But the one thing that stopped Breath of the Wild from really earning that number one spot for me was that it, it did take a little bit too much away from the traditional Zelda experience. Yeah. There was a little bit missing. The story was pretty well written, just not... Th- the it way that executed it was executed properly. via the open world, you know, just kind of... Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of plot twists after the first hour of gameplay, right? So, you know, like, like those were the things that was kind of missing. And for it to be the perfect Zelda for me, it would have to be everything that Breath of the Wild did right and then kind of fix a couple of those things, and Tears of the Kingdom did. 
Now, yes, the dungeons are very similar to Breath of the Wild. They're not going to be your traditional Zelda dungeon that you remember because that doesn't work with an open format. But it what, doesn't. They brought what was important back. The dungeons are themed. They're not the same thing. And the dungeons have unique bosses. And even the way that you kind of go about the dungeons, I feel like, brings a little bit of the exploration back. They feel longer. They feel more like dungeons than the Divine Beasts did. So the fact that this game managed to, like, to, to grab the things that Breath of the Wild did right and then fixed those little things, chef's kiss. Yes, this is what we wanted. Like you said, Zach, this is the Zelda game we've been waiting for. Um, this may end up being my favorite game of all time by the time I'm done with it. And to be quite honest with you, Breath of the Wild walked so that Tears of the Kingdom could, like, go at warp speed. Yes. And, and when I... They play and feel almost the exact same while being completely, completely different in almost every single way except graphics. And it's like the right sense of familiarity, but newness, right? Just the oh, right yeah. perfect mix. You remember like, the... Yeah. <laughs> the, you remember the bullshit that people were talking about where they were like, oh, this just looks like DLC. It was originally <laughs> sure DLC, do. actually. That's what's funny, <laughs> was that yeah, so some of like the beginning concepts for this were, were envisioned as DLC. And then it, they just ended up fleshing it out into a whole game because there were so many ideas. And oh, yeah, yeah, no, this is not DLC. Somehow they took the exact same surface map of Breath of the Wild, right? And they still made it feel different. Um, I don't know if it's, a, if it's the shrine placement or the changes that they made to each of the, the main geographical regions or just kind of the way that you set out and explore it. But it doesn't, at times it doesn't feel like the same map. It just kind of feels like things are in the same places and you notice the same landmarks. But it's like, you know, it's like I, I didn't feel like it was the exact same thing. It somehow felt different. And then on top of that, they add the sky to it, and then on top of that, there's or on bottom of that, there's more, and and I think you know even that's maybe saying a little much because again, not in not in the trailers. That was that was a complete surprise to find out that there was even more to this game's map than I anticipated. Just blew my mind. I feel like I knew that there was going to be some underground elements, but I think it's more close to. Uh, well, I know I can't really say that, so I'm not going to ruin <laughs> that for you guys, but. I feel like there were some close elements to that in the trailer, but nothing like nothing like what we actually got. Like right. it, you honestly, we could probably talk about it and not spoil it, not going to, but it still doesn't beat the first time you see it cuz when it happens it catches you completely by surprise. Even if you're listening to this right now and you haven't played the game, it will throw you for a loop. And that's one of the coolest things ever to be honestly expecting something massive but you're still destroyed by it mentally because that's how it happened for me and that kind of allows me to segue into my next point because the music in this game is incredible oh yeah it it takes it it make it's another one of those things that to me makes breath of the wild kind of look like a tech demo almost because the music changes almost perfectly to your environment in breath of the wild there was a lot of uh kind of ambiance sounds and i don't know if i even said that word right i'm a musician and i don't god <laughs> usually we just a lot say of ambience <laughs> yeah there was a lot of there was a lot of ambience but the regional music music for the dungeons the fights everything is unique everything nothing is used over and over again except for the outdoor ambience but there's so much more of it that you kind of lose track of certain elements and they catch you by surprise all over again and you're like damn that is beautiful 
I'm kind of going off on a little soapbox here, but y'all know how I am about music. And y'all know how I was originally about Breath of the Wild. And to remember how much I loved Breath of the Wild and how much I talked about it on episodes that had literally nothing to do with even Nintendo. Um, you guys, you know how <laughs> I feel. So... I love even the more subtle music notes, like when you're running across Hyrule Field, and it's just like those few like piano notes that will play every now and then. And um, the Hydra Mountain region, um, or the the yeah, the you um, when you're the Hebra Mountains, excuse me, I'm not in a Marvel <laughs> movie, so no Hydra. Uh, but when you're in the Hebra Mountain range, there's um, it, it like it's just quiet and it's snowing and it's cold, and then there's that like there's like a couple of tones that will play here and there, but ultimately yes. you're just you're kind of isolated in this like frozen tundra. Um, it's just so cool because there are these areas that you're familiar from Breath of the Wild and you're re-exploring them and they do add things and, and stuff to find and it's not the exact map skinned over there still it's worth going through and looking through everything again um, and it's just uh, it's really cool and there they added some like interesting hints that serve as as um, things that are helpful but it's not really something that's told to you specifically it's it's uh, it's just like Breath of the Wild. You go, you see something that looks a little off or strange or interesting. Go investigate, interact with it, see what's there, and uh, you'll be surprised where you might end up next because it could point you in a direction that you would not be expecting, and that's awesome. Absolutely. This game is so distracting. I think that's why, you know, we have such a hard time getting through, you know, even just the main story. And I had the same thing with Breath of the Wild, but this game is so easy to get distracted by. And you're on your way to go do something else. And, nope, oh, my shrine sensor just went off. And I and there's a shrine nearby. Let me go hunt that down. And, oh, I see another shrine there in the distance. I should go check that out when I have a chance. And then you're like, oh, well, there's the side quest that's kind of in this area. Maybe I should do that, too. And before you know it, you're just on a whole tangent and it's mm-hmm. funny because it, it you're still loving it and what's nice about the open-ended format of these two games is that um, it kind of invites you to be able to like hey if you're not having a fun time with this if this is getting kind of stale or too difficult just go do something else and, and the freedom to teleport literally whenever you want yeah. <laughs> most most games don't uh, let you teleport when there are enemies nearby or in midair breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom don't give I- a fuck I actually teleported in the middle of one of the major boss fights to go do some fucking cooking, dude. And, and Danielle and I were watching, and we just started dying laughing. Like, because when I nope. did the the companion that I was uh, kind of interacting with for the region, because it's a lot similar to Breath of the Wild. They were like, "Okay, come back when you can. Just, yep. I'll be here. Yep. I'll be here." <laughs> It's so funny when they do that, and I I didn't warp out in the middle of a boss battle, but I did go to do some stuff, and it was like, all right, well, come back when you can. It's like, okay, so there there's like no time constraint here. I can just do whatever. You're just gonna wait. That's cool. Um, I love. I was gone for like five days in game time. <laughs> this game was designed around like like yes and no it was designed around its puzzles like i feel like there are core puzzles but then there are so many different ways to solve them um i published an article on tech raptor last week and it was titled tears of the kingdom turns glitches into gameplay and my whole point was that glitches from breath of the wild are now thanks to ultra hand uh their their gameplay elements but i just want to read one one excerpt here um i labeled this section tears of the kingdom a thousand solutions to any puzzle and i wrote where previous legend of zelda games had players approaching a puzzle 
puzzle with, how do I solve this? Tears of the Kingdom instead invites players to think, what's possible? As open and amazing as Breath of the Wild was, it didn't offer this level of creativity in its core gameplay. Of course, people found a way to manipulate bombs, shields, minecarts, and more to move around the map quickly and glitch their way to the end destination. Um, And it's just a whole, like, crazy uh experience of going through this um and you know exploring this area and building these crazy things and uh it's it's just been such a a joy and um like i feel like we still haven't cracked the surface of what's possible because some of the breath of the wild Mm -hmm. glitches took four or five years for people to discover right so i want to know what is going to happen years from now with people experimenting with this game People are still talking about Breath of the Wild and finding things that we didn't really, weren't really well known six years later. So what's Tears of the Kingdom going to look like six years later? Um, I love that they doubled down on the, on the openness of it because Breath of the Wild did also have a lot of puzzles that were not one-size-fits-all solutions, you know, there were, or I guess they were. I don't know how I'm trying to phrase that. But there were multiple ways to go about a puzzle. And... Tears of the Kingdom doubled down on that. It's like the, the, the amount of creativity that's available to you via the auto build and, and the fuse uh, abilities both um, is just incredible. The, the creations that people have made uh, and the game invites you to do it. I mean, there's all these little puzzles that are centered around like a new Korok puzzle that, that, that is you taking one Korok and bringing it to another some distance away or, or really up high. And so, you know, you need to build something that will get you from here to there with the Korok in tow, unless, you know, you decide to blast it off into space as you do. <laughs> or just fly it over there wherever you want. Um, it's, it's so amazing and so funny. And I'll, I'm going to read one last segment. It's just a sentence here that I'm particularly proud of from this article. But it's, unlike the oft-disproved Sony slogan, Nintendo has come out the gate swinging with this title to indicate that play truly does have no limits. And that is something that Sony has been going for for years now, and they just fall a little short. And Nintendo somehow managed to pull it off on six-year-old hardware. I don't know how they did it, but <laughs> I hope this serves as a blueprint for other types of games going forward okay so i'm chomping at the bit right now with pain because we can't go into spoilers because there's so much shit i want to talk about everything that you can do it it literally takes i've said this before i think in this episode already but breath of the wild kind of looks like a tech demo that they were nintendo was kind of showcasing what they were about to do oh i remember exactly what i was thinking about (laughs) um it feels like they've been working on Tears of the Kingdom for 12 years. It feels like they have they literally got the idea after they finished and produced Skyward Sword and started building. And Breath of the Wild is them showing us the world, them giving us an example of a good story, a somewhat good story for or a layout of some kind of story for an open world Zelda and how it would work. It felt like they were showcasing everything, but they also made it incredibly detailed so that we could have an experience and an adventure, which is why a lot of the things kind of looked similar in the game, like the bosses and their names and the themes for those bosses were similar. Because it's not like Nintendo to just half-ass something. They make, honestly, they make perfection. And to be honest, I, it's hard to find a game that's bad by Nintendo. It just, if you're not a fan of it, you're not a fan of it. Like, I don't really like Kirby that much, but I know those games slap. I, like, I know Super Mario Sunshine is one of the most popular Mario games, but I, it's not my favorite. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I never really enjoyed it, which y'all can crucify me 
for that later. Um, but it feels like they were taking everything that was possible and kind of giving us a little bit of taste for this game. Yeah. Or, you know, very even possibly the next game that we're going to get, the trilogy, that kind of sums it all up, because that's what I think this is. I think this is the second game in a trilogy of some of the most incredible human creations on the face of this earth, because this game is magnificent. I'd be down for it, because Nintendo hasn't really done that before. Yeah. We haven't had, like, a trilogy of Zelda games, so that would be incredible if that were the case. I would absolutely applaud them for it. I've been saying for years now that, you know, the fact that Nintendo starts, you know, uh, inexplicably starts from scratch with every Zelda game, doesn't reuse assets, um, is actually kind of strange. The only other time they've ever done that mm. was, like, Majora's Mask, you know. Well, and you can make an argument for the Oracle games, obviously, <laughs> but that's different. Um, but, you I know, think that's one big game. And yeah. Majora's Mask was the, developed in, in just under a year. I mean, it was uh, it came out quickly, and Aonuma f- famously, like, they wanted to do a... Um, uh, I, th- I think it was a remake, if I'm getting my, my Nintendo lore stories mixed up. But Aonuma said, no, I got this idea for this new game. Um, you know, let's do this. And they said, okay, but you don't have a lot of time to make it. And they built it in a year. And that's why everything circles around Clocktown to make it so it was more constrained and they're able to do that. Um, I've never seen them straight up just take, like, the map like this and, and kind of plop it over to the next game. I know between, like, A Link to the Past and A Link Between Worlds, like, like those maps, but those games were so far apart and on different platforms, they're so different. This is really the first time we've seen it done on, like, the Nintendo Switch, and yeah, Breath of the Wild was on the Wii U as well, which is where I played it originally, uh, but it's um, it's not really something we've seen, and I agree with you. I think they are going to do a trilogy. I hope they do a trilogy, uh, partially because in my brain, if you're going to do a second one, you, you got to do a third one. Like, it, it only makes sense to do it that way. So, um, the Triforce, come on. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, how would they do it? That's the key question. See, I'm not a developer, so I don't need to answer that question. <laughs> there, there are top men at Nintendo figuring that out as we speak. Uh, and I, I trust them to do it. I trust them to get the job done. Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, Blood of the Hero. Blood of the Champion. God, Either like one of those would be Blood sick. of the Sea. I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's got to be land. It's got to be like like noun and then like a place because we've had wild and then we've had kingdoms. So I don't you could know. center it around the sea. I think that's like the one thing that's missing between these two games is there's no uh, uh, underwater exploration. And like, imagine what they could do if they added that. That's why like a trilogy sounds kind of perfect because they could really like dive into that side of things. <laughs> dive in. Mm-hmm. And that's you know? what like Horizon <laughs> Forbidden West added tons of underwater exploration, even more so in the uh, Burning Shores DLC. So that is a huge thing. And now that I think of it, I mean, does do either of you think we're not going to get DLC for this game? I feel like it's oh, a given. I- they're gonna oh, expand one hundred percent. They're gonna have. Uh, they're gonna have an original story, mm-hmm. kind of like they did with Breath of the Wild and the Champions Ballad. I just hope this one is better. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna get gonna... like the Ballad of Ganondorf. I'd play that. Oh, <laughs> that would dude, be awesome. Be, that would be kind of <laughs> sick. Um. Yeah. Or that maybe that could be where they add the underwater stuff to kind of expand the map a little bit. Is do yeah. uh, some DLC. So yeah, I mean the possibilities are endless. Um, and just like already the possibilities are endless in this game. You know, like you mentioned, like everything you can create um, with the auto build feature, you could just attach things together. You can make cars, giant 
penis bots or whatever mm -hmm. the fuck you want. Gleox. Oh. I've seen people like make their own like Gleox robots. I think uh, that the the girl did it on the the treehouse. Yeah. Zelda, we rely on your knight and that legendary sword he carries. Our last line of defense will be Link. Link.
I've I've seen hover bikes that have been cool. Like it's it's just incredible what people have been doing. Yeah, and some of the like the major massive weapons that people are creating, the just destructotrons or whatever you want to yeah. call them. It's <laughs> it's nuts, man. I've seen I've seen Koroks be tortured. I've seen enemies be messed with, and it's just it's incredible, man. There's there's no and this game has been out for it's the 25th now. It's been out for a little over two weeks, 15 days, something like that. Something like that. And, like, oh, man. The, the, you know what's funny is I played it, like, literally the minute it came out. Like, I was, I was continually hitting play on the game until it, the Switch let me do it. And it, it wasn't quite 11 o'clock. It was, like, 11.01. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, I was waiting, and I, I was just hitting refresh and, and, and just doing it again and again and again, hitting mm-hmm. play and play and play. Um, and it, it blows my mind away that other people played at the same time I did and managed to get much farther than me, beat the game, and, and oh, like, yeah. do everything that there is to do, you know, like, crazy. Although, I say that, but I think even now, like, 100% completion is still kind of getting updated over time via the Internet. You know, it's like there, there are still things that aren't, you know, quite easy to find. Um, and, and so, like, the community, I think, as a whole is kind of still exploring this game, which is nice. And, and being able to, like, experience that with the community, that's what's nice about getting a game at launch like this and just exploring everything for the first time. It was just magical. I mean, the opening moments of this game uh, is probably the best opening I've ever seen in a Zelda game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of my favorite video game moments. The the second um it was funny and and, and Zach, I want to hear your story because I know you went to a midnight launch at GameStop and yeah. Um, oh, yeah. and got to experience that. But I uh I was able to pick it up during the day. I went to Best Buy in the morning when they opened up and I, I grabbed it. Good thing I got there when I did, uh, right at opening, because I was like third in line and five minutes later there's maybe thirty people behind me lined up waiting to get this game. Um, and shout out to the the retail employees because they said out loud to me like nobody prepared me that it was going to be like this today. Yeah. We didn't know it was going to be this crazy, and I was like, oh man, like what is it with retailers underestimating Nintendo games like this? I I don't get it. Um, but I brought it home, and one of my least favorite things about games is just like long opening cutscenes, and I get that it sets up the story, but I want to play the game. Like tell your story in a way that allows me to play. So I, I still had some work to do and I was working from home. So like I put the game in and I got my switch set up and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to just run the opening cutscenes and I'm going to watch it while I'm doing some other stuff. And then I'll be ready to play uh, when I'm like on my lunch break or whatever. And so I go to run the opening cutscene and it's maybe 20 seconds. And then next thing I know you have control of link and you're running around going down these, these stairs. And I was like, Oh man, that's, this is awesome. Like, I'm just, you're, they're <laughs> just throwing you right, right into it. it. So I love that opening. I love how the game opens up and you're like, you're like a fully powered link, like fresh off of Breath of the Wild. And then just a whole bunch of stuff happens and it knocks you down Samus. to be in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, literally, <laughs> like you would expect uh, yeah, a space pirate to come down and just take all his gear and everything. Um, but it was such, such a cool opening. Um, so, Ash, you're able to play. You got it digitally right at midnight. I played the next uh-huh. day. Um, Zach, what was your experience like? What was it like <laughs> going and being with Zelda fans and enjoying the midnight so, energy? 
So um, it was actually a blast, um, and it went completely not like I expected whatsoever. So my plan was to go get the standard edition. I was going to leave um, the apartment and go to GameStop right around the corner at like 1030. Uh, that's when they were going to open back up and let everybody in so that uh, we could just kind of hang out. There was trivia. Uh, there was pizza and stuff for everybody. And we were pizza just kind of hanging. Oh, pizza time. Pizza we were time. We were just kind of hanging out talking about Zelda. I got into like a 30-minute conversation about why Twilight Princess looks so ugly. But it's a fun <laughs> game. Um, and uh, But what, what happened, I was just going to get there at 1030 and hang out. I went to Walmart at like 4. 5.30, 5.45, something. Oh, no, it was like 7.30, 7.45 to go pick up some stuff uh, to take home. And I noticed that there's two people in line at GameStop. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is going to be... I knew this was going to be a huge launch, but I didn't really fathom just how busy it was going to get. And so I had a thought, and I called Danielle immediately. And I was like, well, okay, so I love you, first and foremost, and I need to ask you something. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, there are two people outside right now in line for the game. And I kind of want to get my copy of the game and just come home. Uh, so I'm going to go get a lawn chair. And I'm going to go sit out there with these guys. <laughs> and she was like, absolutely. Hell yes. Go do it. Because I, I haven't been to a midnight release since Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. It's been a long time. That game came out a long time ago. And I didn't even go to the Kingdom Hearts 3 release. Because there was one here as well. But I go and pick up the lawn chair. I go and sit next to... Uh, keep in mind that I wanted to get the standard edition. I was just wanting the game. I sit down next to these two guys. They're really awesome. I'm not going to say their names. They're Bob and Jorge. That's not their actual names. But um, <laughs> they're, they're super nice guys. I was just hanging out with them. I was like, so, you guys excited for the game? And they're like, yeah. They've got like six collector's editions left tonight. So we're going to wait in line. I felt my heart just go nuts because I was like oh, dude, I might have a chance to get my shot at a collector's edition. So I planted my happy ass right there for the next four hours. As you should. And at 10 o'clock, 30 minutes before they opened, the guys came out and they were like, okay, guys, so we have four collector's editions, not six. Because I guarantee you two of the guys at GameStop went and got it, but it's fine. Um, That's what I was thinking. Right. But, and so they gave me a ticket. It said number three. And when they called my name, at 11.59, I got my copy of the Collector's Edition, which comes with um, it comes with a metal case for the game. Absolutely beautiful. It comes with an art book. It comes with the pins representing something important that you will see in the game at some point. And uh, come, I've, I got an amiibo with it. I got the Arm Link amiibo. Mm, that's such a cool amiibo. And it comes with, um, it, comes with a, it came with a sleeve as well. That looked like Link's arm, and I actually left it at the other apartment. But I got my game at midnight and came home, turned it on, was so excited. I started watching it, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, and I was like, you know what? I exited the game, I closed it, and I was like, I will play this tomorrow after work. I am tired. <laughs> I mean, the, strong, the hardest choices require the strongest of wills, and so I yeah. turned off my Switch, and I... Went to bed, got up, went to work, got off a little early, came home, hung out with the fiance, turned on the game, and witnessed one of the greatest intros to a Zelda game I've ever seen in my life. Uh, that, honestly, it was fantastic. And if you haven't played it yet, seriously, you, you should experience it. Because yep. it's the first fully priced video game in a long time where I was actually comfortable paying that full price. I didn't feel like I was wasting my money. I didn't feel like I was just buying it to have it. 
I spent like I, I bought the collector's edition, so I spent 120 bucks, and I feel like I could have spent twice that and still been satisfied because of the amount of content, the amount of fun and memories that I've had. I have not beaten. I feel like I'm close, but I haven't beaten the game yet, and it's been over two weeks. Or no, tomorrow will be two weeks since the game came out. And to be quite honest with you, I am happy, and I'm not planning on beating the story. I'm just going to go around and find all the shrines and stuff before mm-hmm. I, you know, finally face the final boss or whatever is going to happen. I have no idea what's coming. So I, it's just, I was able to hang out, went to the midnight release. Uh, me and a dude that I met at the midnight release kind of left for a little bit to go get a snack, and then we came back like half an hour later, and that's when they started lining everybody up. But I had my place in line, so... That's awesome. Hell yeah. There's something, uh, my favorite thing about video games, and it just, it doesn't match other mediums because when you, like movies, you meet someone who, like, you like some movie. Like, Star Wars is my favorite movie ever, and I, I really enjoy talking to other Star Wars fans most of the time. Some some are garbage, but others are <laughs> uh, 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 others are cool people. Um, but I really enjoy talking to Star Wars fans. Full stop. What? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I always need to qualify that. Like, if if you're you know <laughs> slinging garbage on the internet that uh, that should not be read, then yeah, I, I'm probably not interested in talking to you. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I love Star Wars. It's my favorite thing in the world but you can talk to someone about a star wars movie and they they have spent you know a couple hours watching the movie maybe they've watched it multiple times but they their experience is going to be inherently you know different more meaningful less meaningful whatever you talk to someone who has played through and beaten breath of the wild or even a uh say, take a sony game like the last of us like they have been through some shit <laughs> And you know this. And so it is an immediate, instantaneous connection because it's not – video games by their nature are not a passive medium. You can meet someone who has watched a movie. Maybe it was on in the background once. Maybe they were at a party and their friends watched it and they were there and they say, oh, yeah, I've seen that movie. A video game needs to be very deliberately – like you need to carve time out of your day and your schedule to be able to do this thing. Yes. And so when you meet and talk to someone who has also done that, it is this instant connection of – not only do we both like this thing, but we like it enough to have like planned to some extent our lives around it. And so, um, you know, I, I did not get the chance to go to a midnight release this time around. I do want to go for the next Zelda game whenever that will be. Uh, God knows at this point, I'll probably be close to 40, dear Lord. Um, but I'm hoping that, uh, you know, when you meet these people who are fans, and it's really how I got to know you guys. I didn't know who you guys were a few years ago, but now we're, you know, we've never met in person, but I consider you guys good friends. And it's because of our connection through Zelda, through video games. And that's just that's just an awesome thing. And I, I love that. And whenever people try to break down video games as like a dumb medium, it just, it hurts me <laughs> because there's so many good, like cool, positive things about it. And, uh, and, you know, I just, I want to help promote those things more and, and experience those things more. And Tears Dan, of the Kingdom is such yeah. a, such a cool, cool medium and such a cool game. And I'm so happy, like, Nintendo nailed it. Like, this game might have not been as good as it is, but it oh, is. it could have flopped. And, it could have uh, absolutely flopped. 
I'm I'm just so happy. And a big reason I wanted to record this with you guys now is, I mean, not only was I excited to come on and talk about it, I want to listen back to this episode like five, six years from now and be like, what were my, you know, hot takes on this game? Like, what was I experiencing after I sink probably another hundred hours into it? So um, I'm excited to kind of have this be like our record <laughs> in time of how we feel about this game. And we can see kind of how that changes as the years go yeah. on. Absolutely. Hell yes. I agreed with everything you said. Um, people that fucking like, like when people like talk about video games being dumb, uh, I just want to like strap them to a chair and like force them to play through a Zelda game. I'm <laughs> like, I, the, the biggest, the best logic puzzles of my life that I've ever played have been playing video games. You know, it's like, and then that's what it's about. And, and like, I've always been attracted to more intellectually stimulating games like The Legend of Zelda that are centered around puzzle solving and like and, and even just the nature of video games being as as interactive as they are like you said and like you know when you talk to someone else that's played a game it's like you've both experienced that thing together and it's Tears of the Kingdom is just like one of the most beautiful examples of that and, it, and what's funny is I hear Zelda fans complain about how like Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom were empty. Like, like I heard this shit about mm. Breath of the Wild. What do you mean? Breath <laughs> of the Wild is filled to the brim with shit, right? It, it really was. It was like there was so much to do. The world was not only massive, but like, like around every little corner, there were 120 mini dungeons and there were uh, 900 Korok seeds. And these were all centered around central Zelda aspects, dungeon exploration and yeah. puzzle solving. And it's like, if you don't enjoy that, do you really enjoy Zelda games? And, and I feel like Tears of the Kingdom, in a lot of ways, doubles down on a lot of that. I yes. feel like the shrines are better designed. Um, and, and the nature of being able to have more ways of going about solving puzzles really helps because of what you can create and, you know, what you can even just, like, fuse. You know, this game doesn't have the useful updraft ability from Breath of the Wild. Instead, you got to improvise a little bit. Let me attach a rocket to my shield or um, carry, a, you know, a, a couple uh, of, uh, what do you call those things? Boing, boingy things. Oh, the springs? Springs. Keep uh, carry a couple of springs with me. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. um, uh, <laughs> you know, like in order to give myself the ability to do that, and and I think that that's so important. Also, one thing I want to point out while we're comparing to Sony games as we did earlier, um, loved God of War and its sequel, God of War Ragnarok. But God damn, do the developers not trust your ability to solve shit on your own and you oh, try to yeah. give you hints way too quickly. <laughs> Even Jedi Fallen Order and Survivor are a little guilty of that because they offer the hint really early, although you can choose to ignore it, which is nice. But it's like Zelda doesn't do that. Zelda doesn't hold your hand, and, and Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom especially don't because, they're, they're, because there are so many different ways to solve a puzzle, they kind of just let you go at it. And I experienced that a lot playing through this game. There were a lot of shrines where I was honestly stumped, and you, know, and you can mm -hmm. look online and you can find like three or four different solutions to a single shrine puzzle. It's crazy. When in reality, there's probably 10 to 20 different things you could do <laughs> yeah. differently yeah. Because of the amount of freedom that you have. Now, granted, it's going to be different compared to each shrine. Yeah, because you're going to have different environments, different stuff. But I agree with you 100%, man. The puzzles and the world building around those puzzles is fantastic. Um, if everybody remembers, Breath of the Wild's kind of central color was blue. You know, all the shrines were blue-themed. Once you visited a shrine, it became blue. Um 
But this game, the shrines are centered more around a green color. Which this is taking me back to why I think um, there's going to be a, uh, another game, a third game. Because Blue, Link wakes up uh, after 100 years in Breath of the Wild and starts to regain his memories back. Therefore, he gains wisdom and understanding as to what is happening through the story, through uh, him refinding finding the strength again to be the champion that he was before he fell during the Great Calamity. And in Tears of the Kingdom, um, the theme for me personally is courage. Yeah. I think from the very beginning of the game, Link has to show tremendous courage to embark on this journey. Every single start of every single video game, we see Link, our hero, buckle down and, you know, take this head on. You know, like Skyward Sword, he bared witness to Zelda getting thrown into a great black tornado. And he decided instead of cowering in fear, he did, he fucking went to go do something about it. Because I'm pretty sure the Zelda and Link in that game love each other. They were in love, 100%. 100%. It, it's undeniable. It, it is practically canon. But, um, which of course, is the awesome item shop because... girl isn't bad either, though. Shut your mouth. That Beatrice. is so disrespectful. I, I felt so bad letting her down, man. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I think that's wonderful because that kind of centered everything around. But to continue, what I was thinking, Tears of the Kingdom is the first Zelda game besides Breath of the Wild. Because Breath in Breath of the Wild, Link doesn't remember shit. He's just like, oh, I'm, I'm awake now. What do I do? I'm in underwear. Great. <laughs> so Tears of the Kingdom is the first Zelda game. The first Zelda game. Where I truly felt alongside Link. In like taking having the courage to take this overwhelmingly massive task of restoring balance to the kingdom of Hyrule and you know make uh, aiding Zelda, so um, and it's just it's huge it's so massive. I think the last Zelda game to really do that to me was Ocarina of Time, believe it or not. Feeling you know, that courage, I think that the, the the thematic element of courage is really prevalent in the game, I even mean, just in its basic. Premises. I mean, look at the fact that uh, so much of the game takes place around skydiving around. I mean, Link wakes up in a sky island, and he just decides to dive off that shit. Yep. If that's not courage, I don't know what it is. Well, it could be a few things, but um, we'll call it courage. <laughs> um, yep. That was such a big surprise, too. We didn't really know that the game was going to start up in the sky or if you had to get up there. So really beginning the game there and kind of discovering... And I don't know about for you guys, I didn't look around as much, but when you first wake up and you kind of leave where you are and you dive off, I thought I was going to the ground and I thought I reached the ground, but nope, you're still well up in the sky on that great sky island and... um which I maybe I'm the only one who feels this way. Looking at the geography of the Great Sky Island, it looks very similar, in my opinion, to Skyloft. And I don't know if that's intentional. I don't know oh. if I'm projecting, but Ooh. I'm. I was getting some Skyloft uh, vibes from there, and I. I just I feel like Nintendo is a friggin' mastermind. They released the HD edition of Skyward Sword uh, a year, almost two years ago now. Um, that like that feels intentional that that would be like the stopgap game before Tears of the Kingdom. Um, and of course, the Sky Islands, like there are a whole lot of, you know, inferred and implied um, connections here. And as I get further in the story, maybe they'll become more apparent. But I feel like there's uh, there are, are real connections between Tears of the Kingdom and Skyward Sword. 
um, which is just, it's, it's cool to see. Like, I like to see the connections between the Zelda games like that. In more ways than one, yeah. And I mean, I, I know, like, we could see that beginning of the game and a lot of the fan theories started to boil. And then whenever you kind of figure out what's going on with Zelda and, and where she is, I mean, that really comes into full force. God, I can't wait to get to the next episode and really get into this. But there are a lot of connections to Skyward Sword, which should be, which is probably awesome for you, Zach, because, I mean, that was, that was, like, that was your favorite Zelda game, right? Yeah, it's, it's, still, it's still my second favorite. Like, I love Breath of the Wild, don't get me wrong, but Skyward Sword, as far as linear Zelda, it's the best. Um, it, is, it is just untouchable. Ocarina, Ocarina of Time is great. It set the standard for 3D games, I get it, but Skyward Sword is just better. Um, the, a lot of people couldn't get past the motion controls. You know, they didn't like that, but the HD version renders that a moot point. So the story, the graphics, the gameplay, it's just, yeah, it's a little bit more linear than most Zelda games, but the linearity is also the beauty of that original Zelda style. They just couldn't do it anymore, which is why Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom had to come out. They needed something new. Yeah. But to, te- but to tell the story that began it all, there's no other way but to do it than the traditional original Zelda style and format, and they nailed that. And the fact that Tears of the Kingdom is kind of expanding on that feeling a little bit, it being in the sky, you feel like it's a high-definition version of what Skyloft and that whole area would have been like before you go down to the surface. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And what, what I think actually works to Tears of the Kingdom's advantage... Um, is that it approaches at least the progression of the main quest more linearly than Breath yeah. of the Wild did. And I think that allows them to tell a better story. Now, the, the same rules apply. You can still jump, you know, as soon as you exit the, the, the tutorial area, in this case, the Great Sky Island. And yes, you can go back and you can visit the, revisit the Great Plateau if you wish as well. There's a neat little side quest over there. Um, but, but as soon as you leave the tutorial area you are thrown into the world and you can basically approach things in whatever order you want. You have a, a, a main quest mission that's very similar to the memories uh, in, in Breath of the Wild and those are the tears and what's actually going there is instead of unfolding Link's past, you're finding out what the fuck happened to Zelda um, when she disappeared, which is cool, piecing together that story and it makes for a more compelling uh, side narrative to come back to and, and, and to unfold and kind of see what happened. Um, than Breath of the Wild did with just Link's memories of what happened 100 years ago. Because let's face it, we found out what happened 100 years ago at the beginning of the game. Like At that point, it was just getting to that point. Here, we don't know what is going to happen um, with Zelda, with these other characters, you know, and, and, and it's really nice. But you, you, know, you, you open the world and you have that quest line, you have four geographical regions, but I hear that there's more dungeons than that. Um, and, and so, like, you can, and you have all the shrines and Korok seeds and everything else to explore. And that, in that sense, it's as open as Breath of the Wild was, if not more. But when, when you're kind of going through at least the main story missions, I, I do appreciate that they approach the story a little bit more linearly, and I think that that works. And so that allows you to kind of pick and choose how you want to play through the game. Do you want to play in a more linear fashion, or do you want to really explore? And, and what makes this game is how well you can tangentially like go off of that. I mean, it's kind of like how we've been talking in this episode. We'll just kind of go on about this thing, and then we'll just go on to another thing, and that's very much what the game is like. <laughs> 100%. Absolutely. Well, I, I kind of want to dive into the spoiler territory, so we might have to cut this short and just jump into spoilers as soon as we can. 
because, oh my god, dude, I want to talk about the story with you guys so bad. I'm so ready yeah. for this. I want to play more. We got a long weekend. We got Memorial Day weekend coming up. I'm going to play a whole lot of it over this weekend and, and just have a blast with it. But I am loving it. I actually ended up buying two copies. I got a physical copy, and then my wife borrowed it. I thought she was going to play like months from now, but she wanted to play it day two. And then I wanted to still play it too, so then I just bought a digital copy that I downloaded to my Switch. So we have the two copies now. Um, but I've been having a blast with it. I got the Zelda OLED prior to it coming out too so i've got the um tears of the kingdom like joy cons and the oled switch and all that so it's uh it's been great is a really good investment and yeah i'm just loving this game and um i have not touched another video game since i picked it up and i probably won't be playing anything else for the foreseeable future honestly uh i might play gang beasts a little bit this weekend that's a stupid game i don't know if y'all know i, I love that game that's <laughs> it's, a good it's, choice it's so much fun i'll probably be playing that a little bit with a buddy of mine one of my groomsmen for my wedding is coming to spend the weekend nice. with us and i'm really pumped because he wants to see tear he wants to see tears of the kingdom i think we're gonna go back and watch sky high that old movie oh so good um, such a good it's movie. so good yeah war and, and peace then, love it oh yeah dude <laughs> <laughs> that's his favorite character too it's so great there's a lot more gameplay that we can even get into, but I mean, uh, we can also save a lot of it for part two. I mean, because oh, I yeah. mean, just even with like the starting abilities, you know, you've got the the ultra hand, obviously, which you talk about the fuse ability, which is so cool because you can just fuse different things to your equipment and try out different combinations of things. Some that work better than others. You can you can uh, fucking fuse uh, a minecart to your shield, and when your shield surf, you're actually skateboarding. It becomes Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yeah, which is Hyrule which is, Pro which Skater. Is pretty fun. I love that that that, that that ability was so much fun. Um, Ascend, which I frequently forget that I have, and I'm like trying to figure out how to scale something, and it's like, wait, I can just magically swim through this mountain. That's a thing I can do. <laughs> um, so yeah, there there are some awesome abilities, and Ultra Hand is, I think, the Ultra Hand and Fuse are like the two biggest ones that you'll be using most often. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, ascend is more useful than than you might think it is. I think some people like, some people kind of forget that it, that it exists sometimes, including me at times. Um, and uh, you, you really miss out on the usefulness of it sometimes because, again, you know, we're kind of replacing the uh, Rivali's Gale uh, ability, which there isn't an equivalent force that, that I've come across other than these. Um, but like that, that kind of in, in a lot of ways is a lot more powerful. And Hyrule, one of the, the changes that they've made to the Hyrule surface map is adding a bunch of caves to the bottoms of mountains that weren't there before. So yep. that really helps with being able to just traverse mountains. Now you don't have to waste stamina climbing a mountain. There's probably a cave that you can use to just ascend your way up there. Um, and of course the uh, the recall ability. By the way, so many puzzles are solvable with recall that like. Like, I, I remember watching a video, and it was, like, a dude making, a bri- uh, like, a, an endlessly long bridge, which a lot of people are doing to just kind of cheese this game, you know? And then it was, and then it was like, another guy who was just sending a, a piece of magma forward and then just using recall to uh, ride it back or, or yeah. pulling it towards him and using recall to ride it back. And I remember I actually approached that shrine the exact same way, but it was, like, it was like the virgin versus the Chad Zelda player. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, I was like, man. yeah, I did it the Chad way. There were so many different like inventive ways that you can go about the game, and I'm sure we'll get into it in the next episode. Because um, yeah, there, there's just so much to talk about. Yeah, there is. I think we'll be we'll need to siphon off about two hours for that bad boy. Mm-hmm, <laughs> for sure. 
Oh, we've man, got, like, you, you guys are awesome. Seriously, I love you guys. Like, no, no, no way home moment. <laughs> um, and and how and, and I, I will also be uh, happy to have Megan on board part two. Uh, unfortunately, oh, yeah. she hasn't had a chance to play the game yet. So know, Megan, if you're listening, we love you. Um, and you can listen to this because it's spoiler free, so you should. And uh, we can't wait to talk about Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, with you in full spoiler details. I mean, it's, it's just going to be glorious. Hell yeah, I can't wait for that. Um, which may be a while, because I want to give us enough time to really finish the game. I mean, I'm going to try to 100% it. I didn't technically 100% Breath of the Wild. I did everything except for um, the Korok seeds. And I did all the Korok seeds necessary to upgrade your equipment, which is half of them, but I didn't do all 900, because I didn't mm-hmm. feel like going to that much trouble for gold and shit. And I swear to God, it better not be gold and shit this time. <laughs> I'm positive it is. I don't know what else they I, would do. I, they're 100%, they're I 100% think that it still has Stu's gift. <laughs> I have no idea, but I swear to God, Nintendo is balls to the wall with that shit. They don't give a shit. Yeah. I mean, the whole point of the Korok Seeds is just that like, you were never meant to find every single one that was not their intention so nintendo is is literally telling you like you are wasting your time trying to do this <laughs> they're there so that you have something to like discover when you're exploring you are not meant to be seeking these things out they're just supposed to be stuff you find as you go along that's a good way of looking at it actually yeah i mean i'm sure they expected that somebody would would do it but like the main intention is is that most people and like i i, I can make a good argument for why i think you should complete every shrine in Breath of the Wild, and I think oh, I'll yeah. agree with Tears of the Kingdom. I think that's part of getting the dungeon gameplay. Um, but especially with Breath of the Wild only having four dungeons, right? Um, this game having more and having longer ones is, is, is a bonus, and more shrines on top of that. Um, oh yeah, you got 156 shrines. But I think that's really all we have to say for now about Tears of the Kingdom. We could probably make a five-hour episode on this, to be honest oh, yeah. with you. Um, but, but that's all we'll get into now. We'll leave the rest for next time. That may end up being an overly long episode just with just how much there's going to be to like just explode about and all four of us. Um, but uh, I guess we're not really going to get into final thoughts because this is only part one of a two-part episode. But, I mean, so far, first impressions of the game, guys, um, from the, the time that we, the two weeks that we've had it with, um, what do you think about Tears of the Kingdom? <laughs> feel like that's a stupid thing to ask <laughs> T- 10 out of 10 it's the best video game i've ever played i'm loving every second of it and the people who don't like it haven't played it yeah agreed easily attend the um the i, I tell my friends i have friends who still have not played breath of the wild i say there is no single video game that should be a higher priority to you than breath of the wild that should that should supersede everything else, and uh, I now feel the same way about Tears of the Kingdom. I was having a blast yeah. with uh, Jedi Survivor. I put that game down to play Tears of the Kingdom, and same. I will continue to play Tears of the Kingdom and go back to Star Wars afterwards. Um, but I am, I'm hoping, like this is my summertime game. Like I, I don't think I'm gonna be. Um, you know, rushing through it or playing other stuff. I'm just going to be focusing the next few months on really enjoying and exploring everything this game has to offer. So I'm pretty psyched about it. It's really best enjoyed that way. That That's what's awesome about it. But you can just invest so much time into this, like whatever you have. Like my favorite thing to do is come home and fucking play this game right now. Um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, th- th- this is like, it is just, just so awesome. It's the thing I look forward to at the end of the day right now. It's just going into the world of Hyrule and, and, and seeing what comes next. Um, as for, you know, like my, my impressions uh, so far, I agree. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Uh, so far shaping up to be the best Zelda game I've ever played, which makes it the best game I've ever played. But I want to uh, I want to finish it and really say that you know, before before I say that I want to fully get through this and be able to be like yeah this is this is the best game that's ever been made um, it, it's really shaping up to be I can't wait to see what Nintendo pulls out of the future with this franchise but I mean it's like it's, it feels like it's hard to top this they will but um, as you know I recommend it to literally anybody. I think this game is best enjoyed if you played Breath of the Wild first, and I feel like in a lot of ways, Breath of the Wild might be kind of hard to come back to with all of the extra stuff that there is to do in this one and um, a few quality of life improvements. Unlike, like, older Zelda games, which were just kind of like, well, you know, like, you can, they're kind of timeless in a sense. But... Uh, even if you haven't played Breath of the Wild, you can 100% start this game. Uh, there's really nothing connecting it too much to that story. It just kind of happens to take place after it, featuring the same Link in Zelda, which is nice. Anybody can pick up this game. Uh, I recommended this to um, my ex-wife, actually, who hasn't played Breath of the Wild, and I don't even know if I would have recommended that to her as much as this game because she's someone who's very creative and loves games that kind of just let you do things your own way, and I was like, you should check this out because this is right up your alley. If you're super creative, you're going to love it. Um, if you're not and you're more like logical brain person like me, you're still going to love it because of just like how many different ways you can solve something. Um, it, it's just fucking amazing. I, I wholeheartedly recommend this game. I mean, I guess if you didn't enjoy Breath of the Wild, then this, does, this doesn't fundamentally change the mechanics of that game. Uh, so if you just hated the direction that Zelda went with that, well, tough titties. I mean, that's, that's kind of how we can expect Zelda to be from here on. But, um, you know, if you didn't enjoy that, I mean, this isn't going to offer a, a wholly different experience. But if you're a hardcore fan who had a few nitpicks and a few things that really bogged down your enjoyment of it, I think you'll find that this uh, fixes a lot of those, improves on a lot of that. Um, the dungeons are, are way better. I mean, I think that's the biggest improvement. And uh, I'm excited to talk, to get into it more uh, with uh, the next episode. I've completed three out of the original four so far, the first set of four. Um, by the time we finish this, I'll, we'll, we'll have completed them all, which will be nice. We can really get into it. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. It's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. Same Hell here. Yeah. All right, Dan. Well, before we go, um, what, uh, where can our listeners find uh, Tech Raptor, Victims and Villains, and follow you? Absolutely. You can find uh, my writing over at techraptor.net. If you just type in my name, Dan Rockwood, you'll be able to find me there. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter over at DRock64. Um, not as active over on there, but, uh, you know, I, I, I go in from time to time. Um, and, of course, over at Victims and Villains, where we, uh, you know, look at pop culture through the lens of mental health, helping to get mental health resources into schools um, and support uh, suicide prevention and awareness and getting uh, all of those, you know, resources and details out for people and just letting people, you know, reminding them they're not alone uh, and we are here to uh, to listen, to help, and uh, to help spread some positivity as we go along. Oh, that is something I need right now. I had a very traumatic event happen recently in my family. Like, just traumatic just hearing about it. I wasn't there. 
Um, and, and yeah, so like mental health resources are super, super important. And I appreciate the work that you guys do with that because, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's the kind of thing you need. And I will suggest The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom as uh, therapy. <laughs> Absolutely. Personally. Totally agree. 100%, yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, you can find Collateral Gaming wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, you name it. If we're not somewhere, let us know so we can be there. Uh, we also do have a Patreon. And I haven't uploaded as much new content recently, but there's actually quite a bit of content on there, when, really, if you, if you come and take a look at it. I mean, and, and maybe it's at some point I'll go back and like finish my Let's Play on Breath of the Wild. I'm going to have to do a Let's Play on Tears of the Kingdom at some point. That is a given. Um, so I'll definitely look into up, uh, getting it back up onto the Patreon content soon. Um, and yeah, if you just want to be a fan of the show, you can find us on all socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And I think that's it as far as plugs go. You have anything to add, Zach? Uh, no, I just plug in my lamp and computer. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Alrighty, well, uh, with that being said, we'll see you in part two of the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom episode. I've been Ashley Chancellor. I have been Zachary Gio. And I have been Dan Rockwood. And this has been Collateral Gaming. We are out. Bye-bye. See ya. Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.